Welcome to the City Podcast, a ministry of Ambassadors Church in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. If you'd like more information about our church, visit our website at wearethecity.org. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you are blessed by today's word. How's everybody feeling this morning? Feeling good? You guys had a great week? Man, God is good, amen? This is the best place to be on a Sunday morning. It's, I'm so grateful for this church. I'm grateful for this house. I'm grateful for just a lot of stuff, man. And God, God is just a good God. God is just a good God, amen? And uh, what an honor it is to be able to be here with you this morning and every single Sunday and just spend some time in, God, in God's word. One of the things I, I really love about uh, coming to church here, which sounds funny since I'm part of the pastor, pastoral team, but I also attend church here, it's just that this is a no-pressure environment. And that we, we really want to make this a no-pressure environment where, you know what, we, we come in here from all different kinds of weeks, but we come just to seek the presence of the Lord and to just start our week off right. And so I want you to turn to your neighbor and just remind them you're in the best possible place this morning. Come on, how many of y'all know that the 9 a.m. service is better than your own mattress? And I love my mattress. Come on, this is the best place to be. This is the best place to be. Uh, some people are like, debatable. No, no, this is the best place. I will give you the word that says, uh, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. And the psalmist was referring to your mattress. That's what he was referring to. Uh, so this is, this is better, uh, a thousand times better. And, and God has a word for your life uh, here this morning. Uh, and so let's get our Bibles open to the book of John chapter 4. John chapter 4. We're going to read verses 39 through 42. John chapter 4. Verses 39 through 42. It's so important that we spend time in the word of God, in our services, that we are reading scripture, and uh, that we are taking in what God has to say. I want to emphasize this real quick, that the sermons you hear, 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 are, are not personal opinion. Uh, they are based upon the word of God. Amen. That's really important. That's really important because we're in a world that has a lot of uh, foolishness covered in wisdom or wisdom, appearing wisdom, appearing wise, covered in foolishness. And, and, and I just really want to emphasize the fact that this is the word of God and, uh, and, we, and we digest it and process it knowing that God's word is living and active and able to transform our hearts. Verse 39 says this, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them and stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, this is key here, pay attention to this. It is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. The word of the Lord. Let's pray this morning. God, we love you. Thank you so much for a, an amazing time of worship. Uh, and now as we get into the word, I pray that it would just be exciting and relevant and truthful. I pray, God, that it would be powerful and effective and that we'd be transformed by it. Thank you, Lord, for this amazing church. Thank you, God, for bringing us here from all different kinds of backgrounds to worship one amazing God. So, Lord, would you anoint uh, this moment. Anoint not only me as your messenger, but anoint your people as the listeners, O oh God. Father, for we don't want to just be hearers of the word uh, and so deceive ourselves. We want to do what it says. 
And so I pray that you would bless this moment. Use me beyond myself to deliver the timeless truth of the gospel of Christ. We ask in the name of Christ. And everybody said amen. Folks, here's, here's facts. Uh, let me just give you a fact real quick. We all depend on secondhand testimony all the time. We depend on uh, secondhand stories all the time. We, we depend on what people say about things in order to make our own uh, decisions. Last week I was talking about a hotel review that I left for a hotel that was not that great. Uh, how many reviewers do we have in the house? You like to leave reviews for places, all right, those of us that are, you know, a uh, little bit hard. How many I'll just take it, take it in stride? Okay, it wasn't great. I'm not going to say nothing. I'll just keep kind of keep quiet. All right. These are the real spiritual ones of the house. They just kind of experience it. Carlos, I would have guessed that you'd be a reviewer guy. I, I would have guessed that you would be a reviewer. Uh, but, but anyway, uh, so I'm feeling a little bit worse about myself. Because if there's a bad experience at a restaurant or a hotel, I, I like to write. So I might as well write a review, right? And so we... I look up reviews for everything, and I've said this before. Uh, my wife is an avid reviewer. Uh, if we're going somewhere to eat, she's going to read all about it. If she's picking a nail place, come on, girls. We want to know, like, how it is and what do they do with the cuticles and, and all that stuff, you know, and all this stuff counts and matters, I guess. Uh, I guess Brazilian manicures are different than, 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 than any other kind of manicure, and so she's over there reading reviews. and doing. I, I swear, for, we've been married four years this month, and for the first three years of our marriage, she was just, I know, four years then. In a couple weeks, which is pretty great. And uh, and for the first three years, she was looking up reviews for nail places, and, and it's just it's just wild that that's like actually a thing. And I thought it was just her, and then I had conversations with others, and like, no, it's actually a thing. Uh, but we depend upon the experiences of others to make our own to make our own decision. Weather reports are secondhand testimony, right? We, we, we ask Alexa in the morning, what's the weather for today? Or we go, on, we go online or we go on our weather app or whatever. We're depending upon secondhand testimony to determine what we're going to wear and if we're going to bring an umbrella with us. Come on. And we're always forgetting the umbrella. The umbrella always stays behind, even when we know we need the umbrella. Uh, we all want it to be sweater weather, right? And so we're all lying to ourselves, wearing big old things, acting like it's fall, but it's really going to be 80 degrees outside, but it's okay. We're all, we're all deceived because we just want it to be fall. We want it to be basic season, and we want pumpkin spice everything, right? And we want to light our autumn candles. Uh, we, don't, we, we don't want heat no more. Come on, how many of y'all love the cool weather, right? We, we just love it. We love the light breeze, and we love the, you know, just, just take it easy a bit. And, but we're depending on the weather guy to, 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 to tell us the truth, and so we make our decisions based upon secondhand testimony. We choose restaurants based on secondhand testimony, what other people have experienced. Uh, we, we, we even, blind dates are based upon uh, secondhand testimony. You are depending upon the testimony of somebody else regarding that person that you're going to meet up with at that restaurant that that person is a good person. Uh, I was going to show this scene from The Office where uh, Michael Scott gets set up, but it wouldn't be really spiritual or Nazarene or proper, but he gets set up on a blind date with this woman, and it's just a really funny scene, and it's not what he expected, and so they're at a coffee shop, and the woman comes up and says, Michael, is that you? And he's like, oh, no. I have no idea who Michael is. But then the barista behind the coffee stand says coffee for Michael, and that's actually Michael's coffee. And so he's over there like, oh, no, like, I don't want this to be the woman that I'm going to date right now, but I just got called out as Michael. And so blind dates are all about secondhand testimony. It would have been a really good scene, but you, you can just process it in your mind's eye. We depend upon what other people say in order to make our own decisions. Have you ever tried to tell a story about an experience you had or a party you were at or a joke that you heard 
and you're telling it with all of the energy and all of the passion of the moment that you were in, and you're telling it like, man, this was the highlight of my life, and you're coming with the big old cheesy smile, and you're like ready to tell this story, and the person that you're telling the story to is not on the same wavelength as you, and they're totally missing the entire moment, and it, isn't that the sad, has anybody just felt stupid after you tell that story? It's like, man, I wish I could just like unwind, undo, delete this memory because now I feel stupid. You cringe years later remembering how stupid you felt telling that story. What do we say to people that don't get it? You, never mind, or you had to, you had to be there. Because... Secondhand testimony is never going to be as good as firsthand experience. Secondhand testimony is never going to be as good as firsthand experience. This is, this is just the way it is. Like, you can hear story after story after story about how things are and, 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 and what other people have gone through. You can know about uh, restaurants through somebody else. You can read reviews about hotels from somebody else. You can hear weather reports, but, but until you're in the weather, that's when you really know, like, what the weather's actually going to be like, right? The, the weather report says one thing, but once you're outside, you experience it for yourself. You can hear testimony about the blind date, but once you're sitting across the table from that person that they said was awesome, and you're over here coming up with a list of topics in your brain to keep the conversation going because things are so awkward right now, right? You, then you're experiencing it firsthand. And, and here's what I want to just remind you of this morning is that your testimony matters. And that's what we talked about last Sunday, that your story counts, that nobody can tell your story like you can. But more importantly, God wants to use your story, your testimony so that other people can have their own encounter with Jesus. Your story is not the main thing. Your testimony is not the thing that saves anybody. Your testimony, your story is just a gateway that God uses to channel somebody closer to him so that they can have their own encounter and experience. I want to kind of remind you of something here is that when our testimony becomes more about us than about what God has done in us, what that is is an autobiography, not a testimony. That's a good word, right? Some folks are so bent on them. I'm like, where's God in this testimony? Well, I, I and me and we and I and, and but it's a testimony is what God has done. Yes. Let me dial this back even a little bit more, go a little bit deeper, get the floaties on closer to the deep end now is this, is that in a culture so bent on the self, many times this ends up coming into the way we communicate about God the way we worship, quote-unquote, God, the way we preach about God, the way we handle the house of God. Are you feeling what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm, what I'm, what I'm getting at? His, his testimonies, our story, is not really about us at all. Check this. The church that you're sitting in right now is really not about you at all. What? I tithe here. Wow, I spit a lot. I tithe here. Yeah, it's more spiritual when there's spit. I tithe here. I've tithed 20 years. 
I painted the word reserved on the reserved spot. And I'm only saying that because my dad parks in the reserved spot, and so he, he won't get offended. No, he didn't paint it. But, but, but do, do, do you sense where that entitlement can come from? Where it becomes so much about us that we miss out on the fact that this is actually all about God? If our testimony is saying more about what we've done than what God is doing, you're just telling us an autobiography, not a testimony. This woman at the well, John chapter 4, goes and tells her neighborhood what Jesus had done for her. That testimony, it wasn't so that people would say, wow, you're an amazing woman. You're, make her the president. No, it was really about like they see her, but then behind her they see the God who transformed her. That's what Christianity is all about, that when the world sees us, they see the God who transformed us. Amen. That when they hear our story, they actually hear the power of God at work in our life. Here's the thing, church, and, and I, want, I want to be very plain with you here this morning, that when you hear sermons here, I pray that you walk away not saying what a great preacher that was or what a great sermon that was, but what a great God that was that moved in that service. What a great uh, story that was of God's amazing grace that, that the takeaway, check this, would never be the messenger but the message. That what is most memorable, that the takeaway is not how funny the preacher was, not how great that story was told, not what that preacher was wearing, not how they said it or what mistake they made. Because check this out, I'm saying hundreds of words and the chances of a mistake are very high. But I pray that the takeaway would be that Jesus Christ is glorified above every other name. It's not about us. It's all about him. Can you give him some praise this morning if you know that? Come on now. Let's get this thing right. Let's get this thing right in a self-centered, self-addicted uh, self society. Let's turn the eyes of our world to the one that can truly redeem, which is not preachers and sneakers, which is not any celebrity pastor, which is not any worship team, which you can put any vocalist up or any musician. None of them can save us. The only one that gets exalted above every other name is the name of Jesus. Come on, can, can we give God some praise this morning if you believe? Believe it. That's it. It's not about us. It's not about us. It's about what God is doing in us and through us. Man, oh man, when we get that twisted, we miss the gospel. When, we, when, the, when the takeaway becomes about the, the people that God is using instead of the power of God that's using the people, we've missed the power of the gospel. When the takeaway is the person on the platform, instead of the God who is here, he is tangible, he is moving in this place, we've missed the power of the gospel. Are you feeling what I'm saying here? If this woman had gone to her community and said, oh, look at me, look, what, look, at, look at this, look what I did. Look, uh, no, they would have missed out on their opportunity to meet Christ for themselves. Your story matters, but your story is only a tool that God uses to draw other people closer to him. And so she goes, she tells her community, Jesus stays in Samaria two more days, and then the people all come to the woman and are like, look, it's not now because of what you said that we believe, but we've experienced Jesus for ourselves. 
check that out. These people who didn't know who Christ was, didn't know what he could do, they're now saying, I know that you told us what Jesus did for you, but now we don't even believe because of what you said. It's not because of the secondhand testimony that we believe. We're starting to believe because we've experienced Jesus for ourselves. So what I did was, as I was prepping for this morning, I'm like, let's replace a couple of those words in that scripture and see if it still rings true. So there's that sentence that the people say, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, but because we have encountered it for ourselves." And so I started thinking, I'm like, what if we did a little bit of replacement of what people are depending on, like that secondhand testimony that people are depending on in order to foster their walk and see if it still holds true. So check this out. It says, what if we could say, it is no longer because of the faith of my parents that I believe. For we have heard for ourselves. And now we believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world. You see, many times we have a backward crutch where we depend upon the faith of our family to be the reason that we have a relationship with Jesus. It's a backward crutch. It's a backward crutch. When you're depending upon the faith, and this is, Church kids in the house. How many of y'all grew up in church? Born into the church. Born in the front, front row right here. All right? There's, there's some of us here. Check this out. The faith of your family is amazing. There's a legacy there. Honor that legacy. And I am the president of that club. <laughs> president of the club. But the faith of my family did not save me. Grace saved me. If you are depending on the faith of your parents to get you through, you're never going to walk this journey on your own. A lot of us are relying on a backwards crutch. So it's no longer because of the faith of my parents that I believe. Number two, it's no longer because of the faith of my spouse that I believe. This is the lateral crutch. This is when we have a lopsided relationship where the faith of one partner is stronger than the other. And so we're just going to depend on the anointing of the person that we're dating, engaged to, or married to, to hold us up. Isn't this good? As soon as I started writing this down, I was like, Holy Spirit, are you sure? And he was like, yep. I'm like, what if they don't come back? He's like, they'll come back. It's okay. I'm like, what if there's no one here next Sunday? No, they'll, they'll come if you're depending on the faith of the person that you're dating, engaged, or married to, in order for you to get, no, it's lopsided. And I want to speak to the person in that relationship who's the more spiritual one, quote unquote. Check yourself. If the person that you're with drains you spiritually instead of fueling you spiritually, there's an unequal yoke there. And I'm saying this nice and soft so you don't walk away all offended. <laughs> right? We got to, it's a mutual thing. Because if you have two oxen in a yoke and one ox is doing all the work and the other ox is just chilling, you have one ox dragging the other ox. Drag, you get me. <laughs> right? That's why he says don't be unequally yoked, meaning Put two oxen that are going to be able to pull their own weight. Because you can go twice as far with two oxen that are both strong. But you're going to be burnt out and die if you're dragging the weight of somebody else for all your life. 
and my grandfather's been married for 70-something years, is saying exactly. So if you don't believe me, believe the man who's been married for 70-something years. How many years, Grandpa? 78 years? 78 years they've been married? Wow, I'm shocked, and I'm his grandson. <laughs> Isn't that wild? Wow, I'm totally taken aback right now. But he's saying amen. And so all of us that are like been like dating for three months have no business being offended. How can you say that? Well, the guy who's been married for 78 years is saying amen, so I'm going to bank this on him. Right? It's no longer because of the faith of the person that I'm with that I'm, that I'm in. You got to be strong all up on your own. Alini in my life accelerated me, didn't slow me down. She accelerated me. I got faster when she came in. And I was already mad fast, by the way. I was already dashing, literally running around this sanctuary. Literally. Right? Running. We, Sunday afternoon services, we used to, I used to run around this sanctuary. Running. But you know what? Alini did not slow me down. Imagine if she came up in my life and be like, Shane, stop running. Shane, quiet down. Shane, stop sweating. Imagine that. Shane, st stop yelling. Yep, John, like, you can't, right? You can't slow down. And she accelerated me. She pushed me. I got better when she came in. I got more anointed when she came in. Right? Yo, I got more powerful when she came in. Because, you know, I didn't have to preach with a guilty conscience. That's what, that's what, that's the difference. If I was over here dating whatever, I could get up here and I wouldn't be, I would be preaching with one side of my mind and guilty with the other side of my mind. But a double-minded man, the Bible says, is unstable in all of their ways. And you know what? The church would reflect that unhealthy relationship. The church would reflect it. There will be all sorts of drama because it's a lopsided pastoral relationship. You wouldn't accept it for me. Don't accept it for yourself. You'd be like, what kind of pastor is that? What kind of pastor is over there just dating whatever? But, but we, ex we don't accept it for our pastor. But we're over here okay with it for our life because I ain't a pastor. I ain't a worship leader. I didn't sign, I'm not on planning center. No, 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 no. Hold on. We are the royal priesthood. All of us at the same level of Christ. I just so happened to be holding a mic this morning. doesn't make me any better or less than you. you got to be healthy all up on your own. Can you say amen to that, Alini, so I know that I'm right? All right, cool. She's just smiling and clapping like a good pastor's wife. Just, good job, honey. Good job. Good job, sweetheart. But I'd like to think that I accelerated her life too, right? First of all, she got an amazing church out of this, right? She got amazing in-laws. I got amazing in-laws. Like, hold on. Like, this was, this was a great arrangement. This was great, right? Win-win. Right? Even the church moms are saying win-win. Like, this is, this is just great, right? This is just awesome. But, but I want you to feel that. And I want you to live with that kind of freedom. And you're, if you're already married, man, you're in covenant. So, 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 so let's make it work. Let's get to the altar. Let's get that thing anointed. But as long as there's no ring on it, man, ask the tough questions. Ask the tough questions now so you don't have to live through later. All right? Word. We, got, we good with that? All right, number three. I'm just going to keep, mo whenever I talk about relationships, y'all mess me up. 
Y'all mess me up because I start going on and y'all keep, y'all keep egging me on and then I can't stop. I thought this was going to be a nice chill sermon where y'all were going to just amen a couple times and we'd get on our way, but I guess not. It's no longer, check this, because of church attendance that I believe. This is the religious crutch. If you're depending upon Sunday, check this, this is good. If you're depending upon Sunday morning to be your only spiritual sustenance for all week, you're anemic and you're spiritually dying. Well, that wasn't a good word, so it's going to be a rough week. Pastor was kind of slacking. Looks like he kind of just warmed up something for us this week. First of all, that's false. (laughs) It's false. I never warm up stuff. I don't even like leftovers in real life. I wouldn't do it for the word of God. Right? My mom's saying amen. My wife's saying amen. I don't even like leftovers. I don't like Tupperware in a normal day. So I wouldn't do that for you with the word of God. So check this. If you're depending upon three songs and a sermon in an hour and 15 minutes to get you through all week, you're dying. You got to get up, get into your word. Get on your knees and pray in your house. Be extreme. Get a prayer closet. Get a Roberson mantle. Do something. Pull out the olive oil from mom's cabinet and get extreme. Because you know what? Sunday is the overflow. Sunday is the overflow. Sunday is not the sustenance. It's not the thing that gets me through. Sunday is the overflow of what God has already done in my life all week. I don't come up all in here all dry expecting to feel God on song number one. If I'm not feeling him on number one, i got to feel him in number two. No, you should have been feeling him on the drive here. You should have been feeling him on Monday going to that job of yours. You should have been feeling him on Thursday evening when all of that was going on in your household. You should have been seeking God. So when you come here, we don't need to have the worship cheerlead us into the presence of God. Yo, this is good preaching. If I didn't come to this church, I'd be like, that dude is good. I'm going to come back. That dude's good. This is the city's best kept secret. Come on. If this were Michael Todd, y'all would be like, oh, this is so good. Because Shane Lima, y'all are like, nah, I'm offended. Michael Todd anointed. Shane Lima offensive. This is all truth, right? If you're dependent upon... Service is an hour and 15 minutes. You know how many hours you have every week? I'm not going to calculate, but a lot. We don't spend time with God on our own. And then we want to come all up in here and make the church leaders do it for us. Right? Let me dry myself off. This is crazy. I'm 30 years old. My mom does not brush my teeth anymore. She used to sit me on the counter at two years old, three years old, put the toothpaste on the toothbrush, stick it in my mouth and do it for me. I remember this. How shameful would it be at 30 if my mom, who I'm now larger than, (laughs) twice, three, four times as heavy than, if she was propping me up, I don't know if it's four times, but Imagine propping me up on the counter at age 30 to still brush my teeth. Hold on, you can do it yourself. Everybody would be shocked if I told you my mom still brushes my teeth for me. Right? My wife would be shocked. I'd be shocked. You'd be shocked. Y'all would be shocked. Wow, Shane can't brush his own teeth. 
You can't read your own word? Yo, y'all better come back next Sunday. <laughs> y'all better come back. Come back early, please. 8.30 next Sunday. Come in. All smiles. Just be like, Shane, it's all right. We survived. Come on, man of God, you can't pray over your own household? We got we to call elders and bishops and deacons and all these titles that we don't even have here. We got to make them up so that you can get somebody... <laughs> You can get somebody up into your house to anoint it. You're a leader. Rise up and pray. This is a fantastic word. It's no longer because of what I know about God that I believe. This is the logical crutch. Some of us know so much about God that it's all head and no heart. It's all what I know. We got the verses memorized. We can give an amazing spiritual answer, but there's no passion to back it up. There's no character to back it up. It's all logic. It's all head. You know what bothered me the most about going to seminary? Seminary was what I did after college, that Bible theology, all that. You know what bothered me the most? Is that it was so much head. I was like, where is, I need to talk to whoever sweats when they preach. That's who I need to talk to. It was all head. I'm like, Thee, thou, thy, and, and, and the, the deeper we went in all of that, the more I was like, nah, I'm good where I'm at. Because I don't want to lose my heart because it's all head. Right? You can check this. Good theology, fantastic, right? The best theology is going to save people, and that's the fact that Jesus loves sinners. If we're over here trying to add and take away from the simple gospel, we're missing the point. Simple is good. Simple is good, right? There's a whole bunch of fake depth out there. Fake depth where it just sounds amazing, but you peel it back and it's like, what is being said? What is it? If we were, you know, let's take a manuscript of what's being said and actually see the meaning of what's being said. A lot of times there's nothing being said other than a bunch of good words that nobody wants to look up because they're too lazy. And so they just amen themselves through it, acting like it sounds great. But it transforms nobody. Come back next week. I'm going to end right here. Sam, help me out. Soften it up for us, okay? Soften it up. Soften it up. Work your magic. You can play the chords of heart of God the way you've been doing. Sam gives us cues about what song he wants to do during worship by what chords he plays during altar call. Right? He says, I want to sing this song. And so this is, this is what he's going to play right now. It's no longer, check this, this is really good and very important. It's no longer because of what I felt that I believe. This is the emotional crutch. In a highly emotional generation, we're always depending upon feelings to make decisions. Feelings are secondhand witnesses. Experience is firsthand. We can't live this journey with Jesus based upon the feeling that we get. Chasing after feelings. That's what the world does. The world chases after feelings. But we have experienced Jesus Christ for ourselves. 
We all need to get to a stage where we don't depend upon secondhand testimony. We begin having our own firsthand encounters. Spiritual immaturity can oftentimes be traced back to your dependence on the experience other people have had with God. Secondhand is good. Firsthand is better. The woman at the well had her own encounter, and because she shared her story, there's the chords, part of God. She, because she had her own story, that story opened up the opportunity for other people to have an encounter with Jesus. Check this out. I'm going to end here. How do we get there? How do we have our own encounter? That encounter is not going to happen here this morning. How did the Samaritans have their own encounter with Jesus? Jesus was there for two days in Samaria after his encounter with the woman at the well. And those Samaritans stayed with Jesus for two days just hearing everything that Jesus was saying. Two days transformed their entire life. So this morning, I'm challenging you to take two days out of this week. Two days. And you're going to develop a new spiritual discipline in your life. Whether that be waking up early to read your word, fasting for a day or a meal, journaling, as you listen to God's voice speaking to you, maybe silence and solitude for a period of your day, walking throughout your neighborhood and praying for each family around your block, beginning personal times of worship on your own with no worship team to lead you in. I'm asking you as your pastor to take two days this week and have your own encounter with Jesus. And I dare say that if you take what I'm saying seriously, your entire life will reflect the intimacy that you have had with the Lord on your own. I'm encouraging you also, don't post about this. Don't take a selfie during this. Don't position your Bible and your books to look spiritual and take five photos so we can say we're spending time with Jesus. I encourage you don't talk to anyone about what you're going to do. Let this be an encounter between you and Jesus. Take me at my word. But better yet, take the Lord at his word. He's available to you. Two days this week. Any two days. It can be tomorrow, Tuesday, two consecutive days. And we're going to change our spiritual routine. And consequently, we're going to see our spiritual life transformed. With my eyes of faith, I see a completely new dynamic even next Sunday as we gather for worship. Because next Sunday will be an overflow of what we have done privately during the week. Do you want to see the spiritual climate of your church intensified? Do you want to see signs and wonders? Do you want to see a move of the Spirit unlike never before? It won't depend upon me because I'm seeking God. It will depend upon all of us. Yeah. Seeking the Lord for ourselves, yeah. Not using anybody else as a crutch for our spiritual toxic life. But having our own encounter. 
And when we gather here together, the intensity of what God does will only accelerate. It will only magnify. And we will see the spirit of the living God moving in our midst like never before. I've seen it in scripture. I've experienced revival in my own life. And I pray for revival in our community and in this church in Jesus' name. Repentance, confession of sin, turning our hearts back unto Christ, spending time in the presence of the Lord, being hungry and thirsty for righteousness and the presence of God. And I'm telling you, not only will our church experience the overflow, this region will turn its eyes to see what God is doing at 194 Barton Street. The book of First Chronicles says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will heal their land. Church, that is the cry of my heart, and that is the cry of our community. Could you stand with me all across this place in the presence of God this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Two days this week, church. Two days. Two days. If the Samaritans were transformed by two days, surely we will as well. Jesus. Jesus, your spirit is sweet in this place right now. And I'm going to ask you to commit today. And this is under no obligation at all. But if you feel the urgency of changing our spiritual routine for two days of this week, and you're committed to this. And God's going to enlighten you about what to do and how to do it. But if you're saying, Shane, I'm going to try. I'm going to try. If that's you, could you just raise your hand and say, I'm gonna, this week, this week, I'm going to change my spiritual routine. I'm going to change my spiritual routine. I'm going to try something new. Praise God. Virtually every hand in the house is lifted. And what I see with these hands lifted is revival coming. Amen. You can put those hands down. I'm going to pray for us now. Father, thank you that your word never returns void. Father, prophetically right now over our church, over this community, we will no longer depend on second-hand testimony. But we will relentlessly pursue first-hand experience with you. So, Father, right now, enlighten every heart as to what needs to be changed. What we can implement into our routine this week. And, Lord, as we do that. I pray that we would begin to experience a new level of intimacy and transformation with you. Thank you, Lord, for the power of this word. It will not return void. I pray all of this in the name of the one who gathered us here together, Jesus Christ. Bless, keep, protect, sustain each one. And if you return this week, take us to be home with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
God bless you, church. I love you so much. It's going to be an amazing week. Come on, clap your hands unto God. Embrace your neighbor. Let them know that you love them.